The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're going to get you caught up on the Wisconsin Badgers. It's been a while, so we'll talk about Badger football, uh, get you guys ready to go for the Badgers. I know a lot of people talking Packers, but felt like we do a little zag here um, and give you a little bit of an evergreen show to keep in your back pocket as you get ready for college football as well. We're going to also chat about Mark Murphy's comments about the NFL draft, why I think Mark Murphy has to do this one thing to make that draft possible. Lastly, we will talk about the fact that Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch are taking over the Fiserv Forum. My thoughts on that, my feelings on that. Uh, Probably somewhere in there we'll add the Brewers. I realized we didn't talk about the Brewers. I want to just touch on Aaron Ashby's performance really quick, so maybe we'll do that after the Packer draft conversation. Uh, Why not, right? Let's do a little Brewers as well, as they are the only team actually playing right now. I know it is happy training camp day for a lot of people. Um, I feel like tomorrow is a bigger day as it's the first practice for the Green Bay Packers, but that's just me. Um, So we'll talk about all that. Excited to do that. But before we do, you guys know, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg at sports, Instagram, as well as TikTok uh, and Facebook if you're curious there. Uh, Lastly, we are also, thank you, rate, review, subscribe. I think we saw a rating come through yesterday, which was great. Appreciate you on that. Um, If you are already subscribed, you know what to do. Share it with your friends. Talk about it. Um, Definitely get the word out. We'd appreciate it. I'm going to a bachelor party this weekend, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to just get on everybody's phone and subscribe them to the Tapping the Cake podcast. Like, I don't don't really care if they're not a Wisconsin sports fan. We're just going to have them subscribe to the podcast. Why not, right? Got to boost those ratings, baby. All right. Well, let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. The Wisconsin Badgers start this season like they do a lot of other seasons where they are in the conversation to be a playoff team. Are they going to be in the conversation for a national championship? No. It really is Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama, and everybody else. I think there is a prop on DraftKings, maybe. It is that you could basically bet those teams or the field, and I think right now it's minus 345. For national championship. So if you think about where Vegas is on those three teams, they are far and away the favorites and it's not even close. But as Bill Connolly of ESPN, who is a great follow, who I recommend if you want to get into college football, you're already into college football and you don't follow him somehow, pointed out that the fourth spot is wide open. And Wisconsin was mentioned with that. And it always feels good to be mentioned. We talk about that all the time, right? You want to be in that conversation. So what do the Badgers look like and do the Badgers have a team that replicates that number four spot? I think they have a long way to go. I don't. I think there is potential there. I'm not necessarily sold on the idea that the Badgers can be a playoff contender this year. I think that a lot of things have to break their way and certain things have to work out in, in their favor for us to be like, all right, yeah, this team could potentially look at the playoffs and they could look at a real opportunity to be a top tier team in college football. I feel like they might be a year away from that, right? Like I I just, I don't necessarily, I, it would be a large learning curve for a lot of this team, especially when you have what figures to be a open Big Ten West. Like there, there's just a lot of variables here that make me a little bit cautious to say, all right, yeah, this Badger team is like 
a top tier team right now because I, I just I look at the depth chart and I see not necessarily holes, but I just see question marks, right? Like they have a new offensive coordinator with Bobby Ingram, right? The, Paul Chris finally hands over the keys a little bit. Bobby Ingram will be taking over this team. I'll be very curious to see how that helps things. Braylon Allen definitely has the potential to be a Heisman candidate for the Wisconsin Badgers. And if Braylon Allen is that good, then maybe the Badgers do vault themselves into another level. If Graham Mertz starts the season the way he finished, it becomes a lot different. Now, Graham Mertz had a really tough year. Graham Mertz has been highly criticized. He has been bullied online. It's been talked about that the fan base really doesn't like Graham Mertz, even though the fan base was so excited to get Graham Mertz into campus, and it just has not worked out for him. Maybe with a new coach, maybe with some new ideas between Chris and Ingram, Graham Mertz can finally succeed. Graham Mertz can finally have the year that all Badger fans expected him to have when he started his career with Wisconsin. Remember, this was a guy that had major hype around him, and he just has not lived up to it yet. Now, I think that there is, there's chance, right? It, it's, it's development, right? With college players, sometimes it takes more time than we want it to. And I think in today's era, we are so accustomed to everybody being good right away. And it takes time, man. So maybe this is finally the year for Graham Martz. And it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not like he has this dynamic wide receiver crew, but he does have guys that I think are playmakers. Like I look at the guys they have with Jameer Dyke, uh, Marcus Allen, uh, Keontes Lewis, who's a grad transfer from UCLA, Skylar Bell. It's not bad receiving core. Hayden Ritchie at tight end taking over for Jake Ferguson, which is a big loss, right? But Hayden Ritchie, redshirt junior, his brother's on the team, who's, I think, more talented than him at tackle. We'll talk about the offensive line here in a second. But Mertz has some weapons, and I think one has to emerge as the guy. Shamir Dyke has the opportunity to be that guy, right? Like, that, to me, is the guy that can be an every-down receiver. But it's been so long since Wisconsin has had a receiver that consistently gets four to seven catches a game, anywhere from 50 to 80 to 100 yards each game as well. Like, that to me has not existed at the Badger program. It feels like for five years it might be longer, it might be shorter, but it's been a consistent problem for Wisconsin. Paul Christ has done a lot of great things for Wisconsin, but he has been unable to recruit high-quality wide receivers. It just hasn't worked out for him. And some of it's quarterback related, sometimes it's offensive related, but we just have not seen that Badger wide receiver like we did in the Barry Alvarez days of Lee Evans, of Chris Chambers, like those guys who were legit NFL draft picks. I mean, I guess Quintez Sivas is the best recent example, but even Quintez had all the issues with the rape allegations and everything like that. And it it just, it was never what it could have maybe been for Quintez. And, and that's definitely a what if, if you look back on the last couple of years for Wisconsin. But could Chimari DK be the guy that emerges? Could he be that guy for Wisconsin? Or could it be one of those redshirt freshmen? Could a guy like Skylar Bell or Marcus Allen come through and be a top tier player? Dean Ingram's now moving over to wide receiver, playing with his dad. I assume that he wants to be coached by his dad. 
He was a cornerback. The Badgers have kind of revitalized that room a little bit, and Dean Ingram now pushes out to wide receiver. And I think having Hayden Rochi or Jack Eisenbach, the other tight end, that's going to be a critical part because Jake Ferguson was relied on a lot. So can one of those guys be a vital player for Wisconsin? We'll have to see that. As for the offensive line, I think the offensive line actually has a few more question marks than, than you want. Uh, Logan Brown has not necessarily had a solid start to his career. He's been a guy that has come under fire with uh, Badger fans. Uh, Tyler Beach is definitely their most reliable guy. He's kicked in the guard, but you could see Beach out to tackles. They have concerns at tackle, in my opinion, at least to start the year, if you're not that confident in Logan Brown. It would not surprise me if Nolan Ritchie ends up being a starter by middle of the year, right? Um, the fact they have Ohio State week four, that offensive line is going to have to look really good these first three three weeks. It's imperative that that line figures it out because if the line does not give Graham Mertz time, I think it's I'm going to have a harder time being tough on Graham Mertz. And just to circle back on Mertz before we move to the defense, I do want to include this. They don't have somebody in the back that's ready to roll right now. Chase Wolf to me is not a, not anywhere near what Graham Mertz could be. Miles Burkett is an intriguing prospect, but I think Miles Burkett is a year away from being a guy that you can say, all right, yeah, he's a starter. He's not starting out the gates. I just, I don't see it. I mean, very talented kid out of Franklin, but I just do not see it that immediately Miles Burkett is going to suddenly be the superstar. Let's move to the defense for the Badgers. Obviously, the defense is where the Badgers make their living. Jim Leonard is one of the best defensive minds that's out there. The hype around Nick Herbig has been significant this summer. Um, he was almost voted Big Ten Defensive Preseason Player of the Year. Uh, Herbig is the next kind of outside linebacker that the Badgers have, the edge rusher. Um, Herbig's going to make a lot of plays for Wisconsin. He looked really good down the stretch last year for the Badgers. You will not necessarily have any problems with Herbig. I think he's going to make plays. I think Keanu Benton in the middle at nose tackle is a potential uh, first round pick. Um, Benton is going to be a force. And I think having a really solid nose tackle opens things up. Like they definitely have new guys at that inside linebacker position. They are a little uh, raw there, but I think when it comes to having Benton in the middle, you make life easier for your inside linebacker. So right now the depth chart has it as Tatum Grass and Jordan Turner, but there are a lot of guys that could potentially be there. Um, Mama uh, Nanjameta, I tried my best there. He could easily fill in at that inside linebacker position. Jake Cheney uh, could easily be there. Um, so there are potential, a lot of opportunities in that inside linebacker room. Um, and I think that's probably the best like camp race, if you would, to see who go, who takes those inside linebacker spots. But they are going to get benefited by Benton um, in the middle. And then CJ Goats on the outside. A lot of people feel like Goats is the kind of next iteration of the guys that have waited their turn. And we've seen, you know, so many in the last few years where they start finally in their senior year in, at that outside linebacker position and they sort of live up to that hype. Like, that is sort of what we've seen from. Grant Dooley, Zach Braun, Noel Burks, like those have kind of been those guys, right? 
Um, so definitely think that's a possibility. Um, Daryl Peterson's another guy worth mentioning. Um, he chose Wisconsin over Alabama. So you have to think there is some potential there. And maybe he's a guy that's kind of in that Nolan Ritchie spot on the defensive side where he's a young guy that all of a sudden he's playing more snaps as we get longer into the season. The secondary is probably the biggest question. Now, it's been a place of success for Wisconsin in their years. But similarly to the offensive line, there's a lot of question marks. They have a ton of grad transfers. Jay Shaw coming in as a grad transfer from UCLA. Justin Clark, another grad transfer from Toledo. Are those guys going to be able to pick up the pieces and provide what the Badgers need at the secondary position? I think they are really good at safety. Like I think they are very strong there. I know right now the depth chart has Travion Black as the starting strong safety. I think it will be Hunter Waller along with John Torchio. Like I think that's your safety group, and I think that's a really strong safety group. Almost to the point where you might be able to mask the green inside linebackers because you have two really good safeties. I think that's very much on the table for Wisconsin. And it will be, are those grad chancers going to be able to live up? Like, are they going to be able to be starters right out the box? Now, they also have Alexander Smith, who's a redshirt senior. But I think the fact that we haven't seen a lot from him, you, you're like, you're a redshirt senior for a reason, right? So could you finally, could you get some guys there? And that's the bigger concern on the outside. And again, going back to Ohio State, having it week four, you have Jackson Smith and Jibba who could be a Heisman guy, right? Like, I think he's probably in the top tier Heisman candidates and you have him week four. So you gotta be ready. Like, you have to be ready for that. That should literally be the main focus for Wisconsin going into this is Ohio State week four. I realize they have three games before that, but that's a very, very tough opponent right out the box for Wisconsin. So we'll definitely see. Um, as for... The potential that Wisconsin makes a run here at a playoff. I think that it really comes down to what happens after Ohio State. I don't think you can predict that Wisconsin's going to beat Ohio State. Wisconsin's on a, another level of Ohio State. Like the, Things would have to go very right for Wisconsin. It would have to be a situation that would be similar to the Oregon game last year for Ohio State, where the Badgers just run all over them, where, where Braylon Allen has a breakout game and is absolutely incredible and puts himself on the big stage. ABC has already said that they have the rights for that game. We don't know if that will be a primetime game for Wisconsin or if it will be like a 2.30 start. But regardless, you know that Braylon Allen could come through with a major moment in that game and that could be what springs the Badgers. They beat Ohio State, and yes, opportunities are absolutely endless for them to be a potential playoff team. But if they don't win that, and there's a lot of, let's just say, movement, Wisconsin's schedule kind of plays into the fact that they could be a playoff team. They get Michigan State on the road. Never an easy place to win in East Lansing. It's been a while, I think, for the Badgers since they've won in East Lansing. But you have that basically a month after Ohio State. You can kind of start building some momentum. Purdue at home will be a, a big one. Purdue should be much improved this season. Definitely a team that could contend in the Big Ten West. And then you have to go to Iowa and Nebraska in back-to-back -back weeks. I think that's not easy at the end of the year. 
Um, but you've had some success against both teams. Um, again, going to Iowa is never easy. But Wisconsin has definitely been more comfortable there than some of the other road stadiums. Also, too, a Northwestern road game is Demon City. Northwestern shouldn't be good this year. They're likely another year away from Pat Fitzgerald being anything. But still, that always that always scares you, right? And so, yeah, how do the Badgers manage multiple weeks where they have multiple road games, you know, back-to-back, right? Iowa, Nebraska, Northwestern, Michigan State. Can, can they sort of handle that? Can they be all right? And if they were to be successful against Ohio State, how do they handle the game against Illinois the week after, which is the Brett Bielema return? Okay, so those are all questions I have. But yeah, Wisconsin definitely has a tough start with Ohio State. But you could almost make the case that it's better to play Ohio State early on in the season than it would be maybe a little bit later as you get closer to it, as you have to face them again. Um, This game, you know, it's like if you get beat up in that game, right? If they wear you down, you have some time to recover. It's You don't have the nicks and bruises maybe of an entire Big Ten season. And so if you start out with a loss and then you win out and you get another shot at Ohio State and that might be the shot to get you into the playoff and then maybe learn from those mistakes and maybe you could live up to the hype and where Ohio State's in a position where they're kind of house money, where that game doesn't necessarily matter. Can you do enough to beat Ohio State in that Big Ten title game? Wisconsin has not proved that they're on a that level of Ohio State, but I would also leave you with that I don't know if there's any team right now that is on the level of Ohio State in general, first of all, in college football, but in the Big Ten. Like to me, it is Ohio State and everybody else. Like I realize that they had a, a quote unquote down year last year, but it was it really a down year? I'm not sure. Right? They were they were right there. Um, I realized Michigan was able to win the Big Ten and everything like that, but Ohio State's going to be just fine. And I think they're going to be very, very successful. And they're going to have a really good year. Um, to me, they are, I would put them right there with Alabama. It's hard to argue with what Alabama has coming back. It's hilarious that Nick Saban bitched about the NIL and everything like that when it's like he has I think four or five guys that are projected as top 15 picks next year so it's like why the fuck are you even bitching like it's like my JJ Watt story which I've told a bunch but it's like you're up 30 to nothing like why are you bitching JJ like that's how that's how I feel about it's how I feel about Nick Saban it's like why why the fuck are you talking like you have a very good team your team is going to be dominant like there's gonna have to be a lot that goes wrong where Ohio, where Alabama, excuse me, doesn't get to the playoff. Um, and I think worst case scenario for Wisconsin, if you're talking playoff and things like that, would be a team like Bama or Georgia has one loss and they basically kind of get the benefit of the doubt. And it, another team in the in the Power Five is undefeated. So uh, they take kind of take that spot. And so then you're basically competing with it. And you need to be perfect and who knows even, right? And the SEC bias for ESPN will never be stronger than it is this year. I think it will hit another level, given that the SEC and the Big Ten are now kind of the power two of college football. Big Ten's media rights are up. It doesn't sound like ESPN is going to be that top tier uh, network. And I think that will lead to more ESPN 
not necessarily misinformation about the SEC, but basically kind of filleting the SEC and hyping up the SEC to, I think, levels that we haven't seen before. The Green Bay Packers have a potential to have the NFL draft in either 2025 or 2027. It's either three years or five years for those who are can't do the math. Um, and that's very interesting. Uh, Mark Murphy feels very confident in that. Mark, that has been kind of a goal for Mark Murphy. Uh, Mark Murphy would be retired by 2025, but I think that would be the last great thing for Mark Murphy. And I think the cherry on top to Titletown, right? It's something that the Packers have really been pushing hard for. And to me, I still feel like the Packers are not going to get it. I feel like there is a lot of smoke and mirrors with this. I feel like it's something that Mark Murphy wants to keep talking about because Mark Murphy does not want to look like a failure. But at the, I, I just can't necessarily see it. A, it is very cold in Wisconsin in April. You, It is a complete crapshoot. We've talked about this before, but that last week in April, you could have snow. You can have 60 or 50 or, 50 or 60 degrees gray weather. You could have cold and rainy at 30 or 40. You just do not know. And there's no real place for Wisconsin or for Green Bay or the state of Wisconsin for that matter to do it indoors besides the Pfizer Forum or Miller Park. But even if you were to do American Family, as I still can't call it American Family, Miller Park just rolls off the top. And we're going to talk about Miller Coors here in a second. But American Family Field is the only place that has that much space. Or if you were to do it in the Deer District, I guess, you could do it there too. But the venues are so much smaller than what we've seen for the NFL recently. Like, they are not to level of what we saw in Nashville or what we saw in Vegas. Like, these massive sort of street parties, if you will. And I guess you could do it, you would block off a bunch of streets in Green Bay and do it right outside Lambeau Field and maybe do it in the parking lot or something along those lines. And basically, but again, you have a lot of residential areas. Like... I think that this is still a pipe dream for Mark Murphy. I don't necessarily believe it from a logistical angle. Um, I just can't, I, I can't put my arms around it. I really can't. And to me, the only way that this works in full is if you include Milwaukee. And maybe that's a concession that Mark Murphy has finally decided to make. That the Packers are hosting it, but it's also, it's being hosted at Summerfest, Right. If you use like one of the Summerfest, if you use the Summerfest grounds in general, and you're like, all right, we're gonna do the drafting at the Miller Lite Oasis stage, you could have a ton of fans there, especially if you remove some of the beer tents and things like that, and you could have fans far and wide, and you could have TVs at the other places so that and keep them entertained and different things, but you could really blow out the Summerfest venue as a potential for you know the NFL draft or use the American Family Amphitheater as the main stage. That only, I think, holds a little under 20,000 people, but with the grass seats and everything else, plus the fact that it's covered, right? Like even if you have rain, even if you have bad weather, you could still, the draft still goes on. But, and in Pfizer Forum, obviously, and American Family Field are others. But maybe Mark Murphy has finally conceded that the first round has to be 
in Milwaukee. That there's no way to do this without utilizing Milwaukee. And then Browns two and three, you can go up to Green Bay and then have the rest of the draft at like Title Town or inside Lambeau Field. And then that's sort of it. Because I just don't see Lambeau Field being the answer for the draft because of the weather. And yes, you can fit 80 or 90,000 in there. But man, are people really going to come out for the NFL draft in that type of unpredictable weather scenarios? I, I just don't see it. And I just think they should really rely on the city of Milwaukee. And maybe Murphy just is like, well, with climate change, who knows, right? Could we get lucky in April? Are we actually going to have a spring? But I think that is such a significant risk by the NFL. And I just can't see the league willing to take that risk. And I feel like they are stringing Mark Murphy along. And Mark Murphy can keep talking about it because it was one of his goals for Titletown from the absolute start was to get the NFL draft up there. And it's it's not necessarily lived up. He has not been able to connect that dot. I think Detroit got it recently. But again, Detroit has Ford Field. Like Ford Field is a massive state indoor stadium. So you have that ability. What's going to prevent the Minnesota Vikings from not getting the draft and using U.S. Bank Stadium? Like what, what prevents them from doing that, right? U.S. Bank Stadium is massive. It's a brand new stadium. They've hosted a Final Four. They've hosted a Super Bowl. What would stop U.S. Bank from getting it before the Green Bay Packers do? And if Chicago gets a new stadium, which they are potentially on the precipice of in Arlington Heights, where I think it's going to be ready by 2026, so right in the middle of where the Packers are supposed to be projected to get the draft, what would project Chicago? What would basically prevent Chicago's new stadium from getting the NFL draft? Like, I just look at this and and think that there are going to be a lot of opportunities for the NFL to go in much safer spots than Green Bay, Wisconsin. And if Mark Murphy is confident, I guess I believe him. But I also know that this is a lifelong goal of his. And if they don't end up getting the draft in 2025 or 2027. For that matter, Mark Murphy can point to that and say, well, you know, it, it was it was talked about, I was told it was this, but I'm not I'm not working for the Packers anymore, so why does it matter? But I think Green Bay has to rely on Milwaukee. In any capacity, I think it has to be a Green Bay and Milwaukee experience. I don't think it can just be Green Bay. Maybe yeah, it's Lambeau Field for game for the first day, but then day two and day two is at Summerfest. And day three is at Pfizer or something like that, right? So do it in different spots where you have more opportunity to get more fans. Because a lot of people will book hotels and things like that in Milwaukee. Why not create a separate fan experience there and use the biggest city you have in your state? But I feel like Green Bay wants to keep it all in their small city. And I just don't know if that's the best idea. Really quickly on the Brewers, um, just wanted to mention Aaron Ashby. Um, I thought Aaron Ashby was terrific yesterday. I thought that was as good as it's going to get from the young pitcher. Signs his big deal, um, gets engaged, and looks like an absolute rock star. Uh, 105 pitches, um, nine strikeouts. I thought that's a very encouraging sign going forward. The Rockies are not a slouch against left-handers. They are very good, in fact, against lefties. 
and the fact that Aaron Ashby shut him down besides one mistake to Jonathan Daza and one bad inning. Like, and it wasn't even a bad inning. It just, guy got on, guy gets on base. They get a sacrifice five again from Daza. Um, so I, I'm not really ready to be like, oh yeah, that was a bad Aaron Ashby game. Um, it's too bad they didn't have a ton of offense. Um, that really stinks. But at the same time, like the offense looked really good on um, the last three games. So I'm not ready to throw the baby out of the bathwater here and be like, okay, that was a mirage, right? Wasn't a great lineup. Um, and and they've struggled against lefties. And they still need to figure out how do they you know, protect themselves against good left-handers. Like Kyle Freeland isn't a good left-hander. And he shut them down yesterday. But... Again, I think if you can get this from Aaron Ashby on a consistent basis, maybe not this level. Like, I feel like this is, like, the best-case version of Aaron Ashby. But if you get maybe 75% of this on a routine basis, the Brewers are going to be a really good baseball team. They just are, right? Because they need, they've look, been looking for that third starter. Eric Lauer, we thought, was that guy. I don't think I can put Eric Lauer in that conversation. I think Eric Lauer has looked better this month than he did last month, but I just don't think Eric Lauer is that guy. Um, Aaron Ashby certainly could be, and that would be huge. Now, Ethan Small is pitching today. Um, I'm very curious to see how Ethan Small does, um, and if that's going to be something that he's a guy going forward in the middle relief. Like, I, I would keep Ethan Small up um, even if, let's say, you know, Freddie Peralta gets back soon. Like, he's pitching in AAA. I mentioned that, I think, on yesterday's show. But, like, the fact that Freddie Peralta is already in AAA tells me that we're going to get Freddie sooner rather than later. So could Ethan Small be a guy that is a middle reliever for the Brewers and sort of aids not necessarily their middle relief problem. I just think they could upgrade that. Like, Yandel Gustav, to me, is not a solid middle reliever. I think we talked about it yesterday, so I don't want to repeat myself. But could Ethan Small fill in that role? So he gets the Twins tonight. The Twins have been decent. Um, they played the Tigers only for two games. So we really haven't seen a ton from Minnesota since the All-Star break. They've actually got a little bit of time off, if you will, to start. So they're definitely fresh. Um, definitely will be bright-eyed here. Um, and I think the Brewers... Can have some success. I'd love to see them be able to take advantage of their shoddy bullpen. Um, they didn't necessarily do it two weeks ago in Minnesota, so we'll see if the Brewers can get it done. You'd like to kind of keep things rolling. Like you'd hate to lose tonight, and then you're like all of a sudden you're three and two. Then after the All Star break, it would keep those vibes rolling, keep things going well. Also, try to take advantage of the St. Louis Cardinals not having Goldschmidt and Arenado for two games in Toronto, right? They're missing that because of the unvaccinated status that they both have. Can the Brewers take advantage? That's also a big part of this week. And I think that's definitely can't be understated. They have a chance to really sort of space themselves out before heading out to Boston this weekend. So we'll see if the Brewers can take advantage of that. We'll see what we can get from Ethan Small. Um, and kind of look at what the Brewers could potentially do from a pitching staff perspective, you know, going forward. And maybe it's Ashby and then Peralta comes back and that's it. And then Small goes to the bullpen. Or Ethan Small looks like a dude and potentially could push Eric Lauer. And I think you were outings away from that. Like that would have to be three or four outings before we have that conversation. But I definitely think Ethan Small has the potential.
he's definitely next up. And we'll see what Ethan Small can do this evening. All right. We'll wrap up the show. This is kind of Chuck's Corner adjacent. Um, I, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot to talk about this yesterday. And I definitely wanted to mention it. The fact that Miller Coors is no longer the beer sponsor for the Pfizer Forum is an absolute fucking joke. It is something that I can't believe. Um, it is such a slap in the face um, by Molson Coors. Miller Coors, if you will. I th- but I think it's Molson Coors at this point. They should be embarrassed. They should be ashamed of themselves. Um, I know that they do a lot of advertising. I hear them all the time uh, with Barstool Chicago. Um, I think they've been doing some busy sponsorships with um, you know, some of the female brands as well as part of my take on Barstool and Coors Light. Coors Light has been very involved with part of my take. And part of my take, it's been a very good partnership, right? For Molson Coors and Coors Light. That said, to lose... Naming to lose beer rights for your own city just feels so out of touch to me. I know they have a new CEO. I know she is trying to push. It might be CMO, whatever. It doesn't matter. They have a, a new high executive, and she talked about getting them back in the Super Bowl, and that's what they're going to do. But at what cost, right? You are spitting in the face of so many Wisconsinites. The fact that we have to go to Bucks games, concerts, Marquette games, and drink Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, or Budweiser is just a disgrace. It really is. It, it really is embarrassing. I don't really care that they lost the naming rights of Miller Park, right? That is now American Family Field. American Family Field, or American Family Insurance for that matter, is an establishment in the state of Wisconsin American Family was trying to get their name deep in the city of Milwaukee to compete with Northwestern Mutual. And I still don't think American Family has achieved that goal. Like You look at Northwestern Mutual and they have their annual meeting this week, which we kind of joked about yesterday. But like they're all over the city. They're making the city a lot of money. They were rocking and rolling at Good City, which is right by my house, until you know it was 10 o'clock at night and it sounded like a fucking Saturday there. I can't necessarily look at American Family and say that they are, they've established those roots and that the sponsorship has helped out, but at least they are a Wisconsin based company. To go with Anheuser-Busch, for Anheuser-Busch to take this big of leap into the city of Milwaukee is embarrassing. They do little things like sponsor Brady Street Days or Bastille Days, right? Where those little areas of opportunity where Miller Coors is okay with Bud Light being there. But now Miller Coors is letting them infringe on something that they should have never, ever let go. And some people could be mad at the Bucks and say it's more about the money and everything like that. I push back on that significantly. All right. First of all, if Anheuser-Busch is going to pay out the ass, let them. All right. Give them that opportunity. And make sure that you can say, all right, cool. We can then say, all right, we'll take all this money, stadium upgrades. We'll look at potentially making sure our team's at the best of their ability. We'll make sure that certain guys are taken care of with contract extensions. Like if this beer deal pays for Chris Middleton's extension, I will drink all the fucking Bud Light in Pfizer form. All right. I really won't care. 
But this to me is more on Molson Coors for not continuing to foster the relationship and understand that this the price was going to come and that Anheuser-Busch was going to compete. They needed to have a competitive offer and they did not come to the table. And from what I've been told by Molson, about Molson Coors and how they operate business, they think things cost way less than they do. And they think that they can just be like, hey, we're Miller Lite. Everybody loves us. Everybody's here in Milwaukee. So we don't have to pay the same competitive rate as someone like Anheuser-Busch would. And to me, that's a big problem right now. And I don't want to lose Miller Lite's you know, strength here in the city. That should be our beer. And I don't think Miller Coors is going into St. Louis and doing this exact sort of thing. Now, I know that in Atlanta, you see Pepsi try to, you know, get sort of there with Coca-Cola. Um, that was something I talked to somebody who knows things and it's like, yeah, Pepsi tries to get into Atlanta with Coca-Cola because they have to compete there. And that's great. And that's similar to what we're seeing here. But I need Miller Coors to wake up a little bit. And Molson Coors not being the sponsor is just, it's tough, man. It's its a its a sad, sad day in Wisconsin. And will I still drink beer in Pfizer form? Yeah, of course. I'm not an idiot. Of course I'll drink beer in Pfizer form. But it will have to be Michelob Ultra, which I'm fine with. But to not have a nice Miller Lite while I watch the Bucks or Marquette, it's going to sting a little bit. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Back tomorrow. Um, I don't know how much we'll do on the training camp tomorrow. Maybe a little bit. Um, trying to plan my show with Mitch. And definitely something I think we'd want to maybe take you guys into the weekend. Since you don't have a Friday show from us. Um, which, reminder there, um, we'll be in Boston. If you do see a show pop up Friday... We've posted a drunk podcast, and please tell me to delete that. It's not likely that will happen. I'm not like bringing my mic or anything. It would be just I would record it on my phone. Um, but if that happens again, you tell me to delete that right away. You're like, hey, get that thing off of there. Um, so we have that. Um, we look forward to talking to you then. Um, we will talk. Well, we'll talk tomorrow on the daily tab, and then tapping the keg on Thursday, and then we'll be back on Monday. And I'm sure I will be a quarter of my usual self by that point. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.